It is Orange October, and we are pleased to have, uh, kicking off this month, our very own children's pastor, Yvonne Ford. It's great to be up here. Um, often, I'm downstairs, and I don't get to look at you guys in the eye, which is good. Um, so, in our Orange October, we... Uh, we talk about, we have all this vocabulary going around, orange for one, and we have heart and home for another, and we have uh, the light in the church, we have children, we talk about youth, um, and today we're going to talk about family. Um, so to begin with, uh, I realized at the beginning of thinking about this that a lot of you actually don't know me very well, and you certainly don't know my family very well. <laughs> And my family has had a profound influence on who I am and how I look at the world. So don't tell them I'm doing this, but I'm going to introduce them a little bit to you, okay? We're going to start uh, by just showing you some pictures, and then I'll kind of describe my family to you a little bit. It all started way back when, when we were cute. All right, so there's me and my brothers and sisters and my mom. My dad was taking the picture because, of course, way back, way back then, someone actually had to hold the camera and, uh, and take it themselves. Um, as time went along, um, our family grew and we grew older. And I couldn't take a picture of this one because, as you can see, it's like a shiny glass frame. And my mom still has this up in her space. And I love this picture because this one has all of us. Uh, well, actually, we're missing one person who's important to our family. In this picture, in this one, my dad is still here. And all my nieces and nephews are still that cute age, you know, where they're little. Um, and as time went on, um, the family changed. And we got bigger, and we lost my dad. And this is actually the last family picture that we had taken um, since this time. We've lost two members of my family, um, which has been hard. Um, but we also have gained another one. This summer, we gained Lindsay, who is not in the picture. And uh, she married my, my nephew, which has been a real joy. Family. So that's the visual of my family. But I'd like to describe my family to you. You've seen them. <laughs> now you're like, oh. Um, while I'm doing this, I was wondering if you could, you know, take your digits and count how many of these things are actually applicable to your family. Now, you can def define your family any way you want. You can do mom and dad and kids. You can do mom and kids. You can do grandparents and uncles and aunts. It depends on, on what you want to do. Uh, but you can choose the family, and I'm going to describe it and sort of count along there and see how many of these things actually apply to my family, too. So here we go. It's quite the list. And uh, figure out for yourself. Here's my family. We are varied. We are unique as individuals and unique as a group. We have among us young and old, immigrants and Canadian-born. We have those who speak English, French, Indonesian, Chinese, Spanish, and Italian. We have Celtic blood, European, Mediterranean, South Asian, Asian, and African. We have single, 
married, widowed, straight, same-sex attracted. We have high school educated, college educated, university educated. We have people with disabilities, learning disabilities, physical disabilities. We have people with mental health complexities. We have introverts, we have extroverts, we have professionals, and we have part-timers. We have academics, and we have athletes. We have those who are very sure of their faith. And we have those who aren't quite so sure. That's my natural family. Complex, diverse, very human. How about yours? You know, and then I look around this room at all the precious people who are sitting here. The people that God has brought together to make this a group. And you know what? I see the same. I see complexity. I see diversity. And I see the richness of human beings within community. In this extraordinary series that we're doing right now, uh, we're looking at the life of Jesus and how Jesus inspires us to look around at the world and live a life of extraordinary love like him. Obviously, God created family. He created with wisdom and intent to be the environment and in the relationships within which every living human being is supposed to learn and mature. It was God's plan. So... What does Jesus say about family and loving family? We're going to look at a particular story today. We find Jesus in a house. And this house, I always imagine him sitting down. He could have been standing. I don't know. We have this in three different Gospels. And these are the details that we have. It was a house. And it was full. There were all sorts of disciples sitting around him. It was so full that when his mom and his brothers, his half-stepbrothers, came to the door, they, didn't, they couldn't get in, and they sent him a message via someone else. So I can just imagine Jesus sort of sitting there in a bunch of people, there's quite a little bit of noise around, and this guy yells out, hey, Jesus, and passes the message along. So we're just going to read this, it's quite a short story from the book of Matthew, chapter 12. And here he is, verse 46. While he was still speaking to the people, his mother and his brothers stood outside and they asked to speak to him. But Jesus replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands towards his disciples. So imagine that, he's sitting there and he makes this gesture. It's really, really significant, I think. Very inclusive. He makes this gesture. Here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Well, after reading that story a number of times, it raised a very significant question in my mind. <laughs> I don't know if you got the same question going, Whoop! but for me, it was like, how on earth can Jesus be so rude? Did that, did that strike you? Like, how could he be so rude to his mom and his brothers? 
Well, to answer that, we have to look really closely at what he's saying. Jesus says, as he swept his arms around the room, here are my brothers and my mother. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Obviously, those sitting in front of Jesus were doing something very significant. They were doing the will of my Father in heaven. Just a second. The will of my Father in heaven. I've heard that phrase before. That's, that's used before. Matthew used that before. Matthew used it in, in chapter 7, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Matthew used it when he was referring to those people who were saying, Lord, Lord, but I did this for you, and I did that for you, and I did this for you. Hmm. They were acting out of their own will. They were doing their own thing. They were working hard for God without him. They were striving. And they were busy. Apart from being in tune and in step with their father. They didn't know their father in heaven. Knowing is very important in the Bible. Knowing means intimacy. Knowing is being one with the Father. Loving him with all of our hearts, our soul, our mind, and our strength. The Old Testament teaches us that with God, loving him is synonymous with knowing his ways and obeying him. Committing and submitting completely to him. So Jesus is sitting here before these people who've left behind everything. They've left their home, they've left their jobs, they've left their families, they've left their life to come and sit and be with Jesus. They were choosing instead to lean in and to learn from him, to know him more. They were making that their priority. And he sweeps his hand around the room over each one of them and says, here, these who are fully committed, these who are fully submitted to my Father, our Father in heaven, sitting by my feet, learning how to know me more and follow me more, these are my family, my spiritual family. I love this moment. Matthew Henry, I love reading Matthew Henry, just because he's got such a tender heart towards the Lord even though he wrote years and years and years and years and years ago and he uses funny language. I just love how he expresses things. And he was talking about Jesus in this moment and he says, Jesus would rather be profiting his disciples than pleasing his family. Jesus gives his disciples who had forsaken all dignity and preference. It is very endearing and very encouraging. Brothers and sisters, Jesus sits before us today, encouraging us to commit and submit ourselves to our Heavenly Father through Jesus. And with endearing and courage and encouraging, He looks upon us and He dignifies you. He says, You belong. I'm going to call you brothers and sisters. Lean in, learn from him, 
live in tune with me. So that's how we become a part of this group, the spiritual family. We are doing the will of our Father. But why, why all this family language? Like, really? Okay, we've got father, we have brothers, sisters. Why all this family language? What is Jesus trying to say? I mean, Paul uses the body, right? And, oh, yeah, I was thinking about songs, and they're like, onward, Christian soldiers. We've often used the army to, to describe the spiritual community. Um, often we'll use team, like, go whatever's, okay, to, to describe the church. But Jesus here, he uses family. Why does he use family? Good question. So first thing is, I love when we look closely at what, what word Jesus uses for his father. He says, my father. My father, it's beautiful. It emphasizes the active relationship that Jesus had with his father. Kevin spoke about Jesus' relationship to his father a number of weeks ago, so I'm not going to go deeply into this. You can go and listen to that again. But once again, Jesus is encouraging his followers to consider the relational intimacy of his relationship with the Trinity. He is an example of how we can be dependent, close, in a parental relationship with our Father in heaven. So given that, brothers and sisters and mother, why did, he, why did he use those words? We're very familiar with them. You know, in the early church, they didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves brothers and sisters. And if you read through the epistles, Paul repeatedly, brothers, brothers, my brothers, he wanted them to know that on a very deep level, he related to them. James, I've been reading through James on my own, and my goodness, lots and lots of times he uses the word brothers, and sisters is used. What should this teach us about our, our spiritual family? Before I go on, I want to acknowledge that some of us have a hard and complex history with the concept of family. Even church family. My prayer is that God can redeem this concept for you. That as you walk with Jesus, he will do that. So today we're going to focus on Jesus' ideal and pray towards restoration for your experience. So as we talk about healthy families, why did Jesus use this language? Well, there are three things that he was trying to say. First of all, families are loyal. Brothers and sisters, we are a unit. We are in this together. Come hell or high water, nothing will tear us apart. There is belonging here. You are valued here. That can't be broken. You may be, sorry, we may be very human together, and I may disappoint you, and I may fight with you, and I may make you angry, and you me. 
but I will stick with you through thick and thin as you do with me because that's family. Another thing that family is, is their respect. I will respect you and consider you as you do the same for me. How I treat you, how I speak to you, how I speak about you, what I expect of you will reflect the respect and consideration I have for you. Because that's family. Security. Hmm. Brothers and sisters, I will fight for you. I will protect you as you do for me. You are not alone. Whatever you face, whomever you, is against you, however you are persecuted or shamed or misunderstood outside of this community, I will be for you as you are for me because that's family. This is community, this is family, and it must be a safe place. Oh, you might not always get your way, I might not either, but with respect and kindness, we should walk through this life together in tune with our Father in heaven. There are many times in the epistles uh, that we are, are actually shown how this is supposed to work. How does this, how does this living together work? Um, I remember hearing a story, even when I was a teenager, or a sermon, sorry, I, it was all about the one another's of scripture. I, I still remember it today. Um, and there are many passages, so I'm just going to, I just chose one, and I'll just read it through and think of it, what we are being taught about how we are family. This one's from Colossians. And just enjoy this. And realize that there are brothers and sisters in this room who want to treat you this way. Here have, here's what Paul says. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and be more like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. So it doesn't matter how you're different. It doesn't matter where you come from, how much you make. Jesus is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. I love the clothing image. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Mm. And forgive those who offend you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. But above all, and here's that image again, clothe yourself in love which binds us together in perfect harmony. Going back to my natural family uh, as an illustration, um, I'm intrigued comparing family. You see, my natural family is far from perfect and every family is dysfunctional. Isn't that, isn't that the, the phrase, you know? Every family is dysfunctional in its own way. And my family's just the same. Through them, I've learned so much. 
I've learned how to hate, and I've learned how to forgive. I've learned how to mistrust, and I've learned how to trust. I've learned how to be angry and sad and disappointed and scared, but I've also, and I also am learning to be understanding, expressive, less selfish, and more confident. I've learned about boundaries and expectations. I've learned about grace. I've been hurt, ignored, misunderstood, and disregarded. But you know what? All of us have in my family because we're far from perfect. But you know what happens? Once or twice a year, we still gather around a table. We still show our loyalty. We set aside our differences and we respect one another. We create a safe place where we can focus on our commonalities and we have a meal together. Because that's what families do. Brothers and sisters, we too have a table that we can gather around. One which celebrates the wonder of what Jesus has done for us. The shedding of his blood and the brokenness of his body. How his life and death and resurrection gave us the opportunity to belong to his eternal, holy family. Molded and shaped not by our own wills, but by the will of the, our Father in heaven. We're going to take this time to just pause for a moment and think thoughts about our new spiritual family to focus on the wonder of how Jesus has brought us together. Jesus has emphasized in, in uh, the story that we were talking about today about the priority we should give the spiritual in our lives. Today we're going to take the elements. And we're going to do them under the banner of the fact that we do the will of our Father in heaven. As you are taking it today, allow your mind to wander across this room. I have the privilege of standing here and I can see you all. But allow your mind to kind of wander across the room as you're taking your communion this morning. And wonder at the, the complexity and the beauty and the responsibility that we have to one another. We are a community here, a community of all ages. A community where loyalty, respect, and security should be exemplified. We should foster grace and forgiveness. We are all here learning and maturing together. Adults. How are you making this community a place where you are encouraging those coming behind you in age to feel safe to explore who Jesus is and who the, what the Father's will is? Youth and young adults, how are you making the seniors in this congregation feel visible and wanted? I'm going to give you a challenge. While you're taking communion, there's a prayer that's going to be up on the screen. And it's this, Father in heaven, what does it mean that I'm here for? And pick someone and see what the Lord says in your heart. Someone older than you, someone younger than you. Think of those downstairs. 
and see what the Lord just places in your heart as you ask him that. We're going to ask the ushers to come forward and the musicians to get ready for our communion time. And while they're doing that, I'd like us to pray for this time together. So let's just bow our heads and uh, we'll prepare our, our hearts and minds for our communion time together. Father in heaven, we sit before you and we are not perfect but you are perfecting each one of us. Within this community of believers in Jesus, allow us to appreciate even more what it is that you have done for us by dwelling on the fact that you also created the spiritual family through sacrifice and victory. Our grace toward, your grace towards us is amazing. Help us to extend the same grace to our brothers and sisters. Help us to appreciate how extraordinary it is that we don't just belong to the Father now, we belong to one another with its responsibilities and its wonderful blessings. Oh, I love celebrating what Jesus did. Your voices, amazing, you're singing that, that chorus and it was just like, whew, what charged truth coming through the air and Jesus dwelled in the middle or the Holy Spirit dwelled in the middle of it. Very cool. Um, so Orange October, we started Orange October and uh, we talked about this wonderful spiritual family, this place where spiritual nurture takes place. We need to talk about the next generation. What does Jesus gesture and his words, his familial words, have to say to us with respects to the next generation. There's, first of all, I want to talk to parents, just quickly. Parents of all ages who have little ones up to those who are older, regardless of the age of your children, first of all, we are your biggest fan. We have embraced that God has made the family and he has put you as parents in the incredibly exciting role. Sometimes I know it doesn't feel like it, but in the incredibly exciting role of raising the next generation to know Jesus and to have Jesus indwell them and to have them understand who he is. We are your biggest fans. We are your cheering squad. I had the image uh, in my head of, of these moms uh, sort of coming to the end of a marathon and they were running along and us as a church, we were standing there going, you can do it, girl, you can do it. Like that's who we are. We believe in what you're doing and we know it's not easy. We are a community who values you. We are working hard towards ever increasing the ways that we can support and encourage you and resource you. If ever you as parents feel the need to be assured of this, start by coming to speak. Some of you have natural family connections here who are gonna be support to you. Others of you don't. Some of you are new here. If you need some encouragement, if you need to feel like you're not losing it, <laughs> come to us. Start by coming to me. 
We have a family ministries team now. One of their most fundamental desires is to encourage you as moms and dads. Moms, you are the number one person in your child's life that will affect their spiritual walk. Don't take that on as heavy. Take that on as joy. Get to know Jesus deeply and let that just shine through you. Dad's your number two. Get to know Jesus. Spend your life walking with him and they'll watch you. Who's next? Sunday school teachers? No. It's uncles and aunts and grandmas and granddads. Isn't that neat? Live your life for Jesus in front of your nieces and nephews so that they can aspire to what it is that you have. If you're here and you have kids and all of your aunts and uncles or you don't have any extended family at all, guess what? Look around the room. We are your extended family and we can be that influence on your kid to show them what a life lived for Jesus with extraordinary faith is like. Those of you who are in youth ministry, those of you who are in children's ministry, you're next. Sorry, you're number four, I know. But what you do is you bring some coagulation to what all the other people are pouring into these kids' lives. This is the system God created. And when it works well, it works beautifully. And we here as a church champion parents and we are your biggest fans. Second thing I want to say is I found an interesting correlation between Jesus' story and Deuteronomy chapter 6 where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Or he misses, or, uh, sorry, Moses, the Lord says to Moses those, those three things and Jesus repeats it. But then he says, and teach it to your children. And I found it interesting that in both scriptures, Jesus was saying, your responsibility first is where are you at with the Father? Just dig into that. Lean into that. Learn more how to live like Jesus. Learn more how to understand the perspective of our Heavenly Father so that it can just flow out of your life through the work of the Holy Spirit. Lean in, learn and listen, and your kids, their only lasting legacy will be what they know about living with Jesus and doing the will of the Father. So make that your number one priority. Um, sorry, I was, I was reading this and it just didn't make sense, but now I remember. Um, parents and uh, fa extended family, when you look at your children, be bold and courageous. I know in this society, there's so many things to distract you and to, to make you think that maybe other things need to be more important. 
But Jesus says in this story, be bold, be courageous, forsake all for me, because that is the number one thing. Be bold and courageous. On October 22nd, here downstairs, we have a night that is specially designed for parents to be encouraged and to have a deep, deep conversation about how privileged you are to have the role that you have. I have never had the privilege to be a parent. I've never had the privilege to have a spouse. But that doesn't mean that I don't value this incredibly because God values it so deeply. And if I do, then please, please value it yourself. God has given you an incredible, incredible job to do. And for those of you who maybe the kids are gone or have never, you're in the same situation as I have or you're in, you, you haven't come to the stage in life where you're going to have kids, take time say, how does my life express the value that God puts on family and the next generation? To all of you, I have one more thing I'd like to say. I so value Forestbrook Community Church and the people within it who constantly, week after week after week, value and invest not only in the next generation, but in this family of God. You do the will of the Father, and you continue to do it. You create a sense of belonging here, and I want to say thank you. It does not go unnoticed. Continue, pray, intercede, and encourage. One thing I wanted to say about that is it doesn't have to be formal. You don't have to be a shepherd downstairs to speak into the life of a child. Notice those moments when you can do it. Notice the people around you when you're in the foyer. How can I be the body of Christ to that person? This week, like the last four weeks, we are going to give you a breath prayer. And this breath prayer comes from the verses that we were just talking about. And what my prayer is that you will notice each time you say it, every hour that your alarm goes off, you'll notice the beautiful words of relationship within this prayer. We have the opportunity to think about one another, encourage one another, stand by one another, before one another this week. And so the breath prayer that we're going to do this week is my father. First of all, reminding yourself that you have this amazing opportunity to be in, in close relationship with the Father in heaven. And then, bless my brothers and sisters. Now, at, at 10 o'clock, you may be thinking about that one and that one and that one. And at 12 o'clock, you may be thinking about this one and this one. At 3 o'clock, you may just say, you know what, Lord, it was so cool to be at church on Sunday. Father, bless my brothers and sisters. It may be general, but let the Lord lead you. Let the Holy Spirit inspire you. Who is it that right now I'm supposed to bless? It's the beauty of being able to be a part of God's family. Let's walk away from this Sunday with the extraordinary idea 
that we belong to an eternal holy family. Lean in, listen, and learn about Jesus in a community that makes each one of us greater than the individuals that we would have been on our own, connected by our Heavenly Father. I'd like us to end today by me saying a blessing over you. So I was wondering if you would stand. And brothers and sisters, if I may call you that, may you be blessed. This is an extraordinary thing. Father in heaven, may we, this eternal holy family that you have brought together in this place, may we be thankful for the people around us. May we be determined to be good family to them. May we be committed to forgiveness, grace, and kindness to one another. Amen. Have a wonderful week. And may you, like I did last night, bump into someone in the grocery store parking lot that you know from here and have your heart leap because you're like, hey, there's my sister. I pray that you have an experience like that this week that just deep down shows you what an incredibly special thing our spiritual family is. Enjoy yourselves.